You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcaster Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. The sound of the voice on the other end of a 911 call is almost always delivered frantically. The needs of the caller on the other end of a 911 call are ones that need to be met immediately. The services sent to a caller during a 911 call are always delivered efficiently. The stories, perspectives, and details created by these calls over more than 20 years are life lessons and legacies for everyone involved, including me. The records are archived for all time, like this podcast, digitally. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa. This is Digitally Dispatched. A woman and her 14-year-old daughter were out running errands. Her husband was out of town on business, and their 16-year-old son was home alone. Just another random day in the life, right? Not this night. On this night, a woman's world would be turned completely upside down, and the course of this family would be changed forever. The call begins. 911, where is your emergency? I hear a female crying, telling me that her son had just committed suicide. My voice softens. Okay, I want to send you help. Please tell me your address. She gives me her address, and I get officers en route. I ask her then to please tell me what happened. I went in to check on him, she says, and I found him hanging in his closet. She starts to sob. He's dead. The anguish in this woman's voice was heartbreaking. Ma'am, I hate to ask this question, but do you think he's beyond help? Do you think medics can help him? No. A sob in her voice. He's cold. He's blue. I convey this information to my officers. I go back to my caller, and I tell her I'm very sorry for what she's found. I ask her to take a deep breath with me. I reassure her that help is on the way. The officers will be there momentarily, and I'm going to stay on the phone with her. My partner contacts medics with the information that we have so that they can respond to confirm the death. I again reassure her that help is on the way. I stayed on the line with her, and I do this because this is the worst moment in a mother's life. She just found her son hanging in his closet, and he's no longer alive. I ask her his name. I ask for her name so that I can make a a connection with her. I wanted her to know that she wasn't alone. I wanted her to know that we did have help on the way. I let her know that I'd stay on the line with her until my officers were able to make contact. This is really heavy stuff. But please don't go away. There's still so much more of this story to share. I'll be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Do 
Do you like what you're hearing during the Digitally Dispatched podcast? Let's have a conversation about how you can help us grow. Visit my website at digitallydispatched.com and let's find a way to get your organization, business, or effort to benefit from my focused and engaged audience. Let me help you grow your digital footprint and foster educational content on the internet. Open a channel now at digitallydispatched.com. That's digitallydispatched.com. Be the one to save a life. This episode of the Digitally Dispatched podcast features an incredibly compelling story about an individual that chose suicide. It's time for you to be the one to help save a life. If you know someone that has claimed that they're going to hurt themselves, that they feel like the world would be better off without them, or feel overwhelmed and can't continue, be sure to contact the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. You can find more details and support resources at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Welcome back, everyone, from break. This is Lisa with Digitally Dispatched, and let's get back to the story of this call. The call continues. Before the break, I was talking about making a personal connection and staying on the line with my caller. I gauge what I say to callers based on what the callers are giving to me. Sometimes they just need to cry or ramble a little bit or even vent And this is normal when you're going through a major crisis. My caller, thinking out loud, said he, her son, had done this while her husband was out of town, and she wondered how she was going to tell him. She wondered how she was going to get through this without him. Each time she started talking about what she had to do, she would start to cry again. And each time was a little bit harder. I asked her, please, take a deep breath with me. We're going to get through this together. And together, she and I took deep breaths. Seemed to calm her down a little bit. I then reassured her that help was on the way and that she was doing a good job. She questioned out loud, why? Why would he do this? He was a 16-year-old boy. He was making good grades. He was very talented in art, had really good friends, had a job. She went on, and I let her tell me about her child. She started to sob again. And I asked her if anybody was home with her. She told me that her daughter was there too and that she was 14 years old. When I asked about her daughter, she seemed to calm a little bit telling me about her. And then I heard another voice. I asked the caller if that was her daughter. Not answering me, she told her daughter to come and sit with her. I heard the caller's voice change. It softened. She spoke more clearly. I was listening to my caller using my calming techniques to calm her own child. The caller told her daughter to stay with her, that she did not want to see her brother like this, and that everything was going to be okay. Just stay here with me. Help is on the way. I told my caller that she was doing a really good job helping her daughter through this, and that my officers would be there any minute. They let us know when they arrive on scene over the radio. I asked her, can you stay on the phone with me until my officers arrive, and that way... I can let you know when to let them in. She agreed and thanked me and then asked, Can you tell me 
what's going to happen? I said yes. I had told her that my officers were going to make contact with her, that they would then check on her son. After they've done that, they'll have the medics come in so that they can also check on him. After that, the medical examiner would be contacted to speak with the officers and that the officers would take care of all of that for her that she didn't have to worry about any of it. And then she asked quietly, what's going to happen to my son? And what happens now? I explained to her that the officers will tell me when everything has been confirmed. We would contact a funeral home for her, that she didn't have to worry about any of that. I asked her if she knew who she wanted me to contact, and she did. She gave me the information, and I told her, no worries. I would take care of all of that for her so that she didn't have to do that. She thanked me. Normally, I would not go into so much detail, and I just let the officers handle it on scene. But she wanted to know, and I felt that we had established a strong rapport, and I did not not want to answer her questions. I knew that she was curious and wanted to know what was going to happen next. Once the officers arrived on scene, I let my caller know that they'd be approaching her front door and could she make contact with them. She said that she would, and I told her, you can keep me on the phone until I hear my officer's voice. That way I know that they're there to help you out. She agreed. Once I heard my officer's voice, I told my caller, you did a great job. My officers have you from here. She thanked me, and the call ended. And usually, that's where the story ends. Officers arrive on scene, and my call is disconnected. But in this case, there's a little more to this story. After the call, my officer shared with me that during the investigation, they found that the young man had hung himself in a closet, and his mother was correct that there would have been no way to help him. They also found his journal that was filled with drawings, and he was quite an accomplished artist. There was a series of journal entries, and from what the officers read, they noted that he was possibly suffering with depression and anger. He'd made several comments about not being happy and that the world might be better off without him. He also left several little notes for the people in his life, his family and his friends. The resolution. 911 call received. Female crying asks for help. Location acquired. Information gathered. Dispatch builds a rapport with the caller. Officers respond. Call ends. Officers check for any signs of life. Medics respond. Death pronounced. Medical examiner contacted. Body released. Funeral home is contacted. A representative from the funeral home responds and collects the body. What the caller did right. The caller called 911 immediately when she found her son hanging in his closet. She was terribly upset, understandably, but she was able to give me her address right away so that I could send her help. She answered all the questions that I asked of her. She stayed strong for her daughter. Lessons learned. Kindness and compassion go a long way. I established a connection with this caller on a very personal and a professional level. Many of the calls I receive seem frivolous and not that big of a deal, like people complaining about the dog next door causing a peace disturbance because it barks for a whole 15 minutes that it's out, or the man who calls in every single car that he doesn't recognize that parks on his street because it's suspicious. 
Then you get a call like this, and your heart breaks for the caller, and all you want to do is help her, help her through the most horrific moment in her life. As a dispatcher, I try to remember that everyone has their own story. That dog that was barking next door, maybe they let it out every hour at all hours of day and night, and my caller's tired because they can't get sleep from that peace disturbance. And maybe the man who called in that parked car that seemed suspicious, he could have been a victim. He could have had his car broken into, or his home, or a victim of stalking. He doesn't want to be a victim again, so he calls in suspicious vehicles. Everyone has a story, and everyone should be treated with a little bit of kindness and compassion, because there may be more to their story, and we just don't know about it. The Legacy I've received a lot of calls that stay with me for one reason or another. This is one of the very few calls that haunts me. When I bring up this story and I share the story with other people, and now you, I can still hear that mother's anguish in her voice. I can feel the pain that she was going through that night. I'm not a mother, so I can't understand the loss of a child, but I'm not a stranger to loss. After that call ended, all I wanted to do was call and check on her, but I didn't want to cross any professional or ethical lines. I just wanted to know if I could have done more for her. A couple of weeks later, I received an email from my chief, and it said, Good job, Lisa. I'm like, oh, I wonder what I did. I scrolled down, and he had forwarded me an email that he had received from my caller, telling me just how nice I was, and how nice it was to have somebody show her a little bit of compassion on the darkest day in her life. This meant the world to me. Because I think we all need to know when we do a good job, especially when we question if there's more we could have done. Have you ever been in a situation where a simple act of kindness of a stranger made a difference to you? I want to know about it. Go over to my website at digitallydispatched.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell me your story. Here's a nugget of knowledge from a dispatcher. I receive countless calls where people want an officer to check the well-being of a friend because they've seen on social media or they've received texts that their friend is going to hurt themselves, kill themselves, has been talking suicide, and they're concerned. What I need to know as a dispatcher is First off, the location. If they know where the person lives, if they know where they're going to hurt themselves at, we need to know where they're at so that we can get help to them. A lot of times people don't know their friends' addresses, and that's okay. Hopefully they'll have a phone number. If we have the phone number of the person that they're concerned about, then we can either attempt to call them ourselves, or we can go through their cell phone provider and ping their phone to find a location. That way we make sure that help can get to them. So very, very least have a phone number for us. And what would be even greater, have an address. Give us a location so we can find them. If you are feeling sad, thinking that you might want to harm yourself, had suicidal ideations in the past, or have attempted in the past, or you know someone who has talked about harming themselves, Please know that there's help out there, not just with your local police department, but you can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Again, that's called the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, and their phone number is 
talk 1-800-273-8255. They provide confidential support 24 hours a day, seven days a week for people who are in distress, as well as prevention and crisis resources. The calls, stories, and legacies I share are dispatched digitally. The lessons learned by all, the callers, you, especially me, are a piece of my life's unfolding story that I'm proud to share and are preserved digitally. Your thoughts, ideas, and comments can be sent to me electronically at my website, digitallydispatched.com. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa, and you have been digitally dispatched.